We're in 1 Timothy chapter 2, if everybody would get your Bible out. 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Good to see you this morning. Thankful to have everyone here. Last week we dealt with verse 8 the whole class period, and we actually didn't even finish verse 8. Uh, it says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We spent our whole class period talking about prayer, talking about different postures of prayer, and the fact that maybe we may use a different posture based upon uh, maybe what we're going through, what we're dealing with, what we hope to accomplish with that prayer, uh, and we talked about that in detail. We said the prayer that God is looking for is not a specific posture, but yet an attitude, a mindset, a prayer of lifting up of holy hands is the equivalent of a, an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, James 5.16. It'd be the equivalent of that. God is looking for people that are, that are honest and sincere and living a life that is pleasing to God. And that's the type of prayer that he, that he longs for, that he wants us uh, to give towards him. Uh, Paul says here to Timothy, he says, He desires that men do this, but they pray without wrath and doubting. And we did not get to that. Uh, the Bible talks about that, that we as a Christian, we can't be pleasing to God if we are angry with our brethren. Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, in the Old Testament, it, it says that, you know, we, we can't say these bad things to them and all of this, but, but he says he brings that up a notch. And he says if we're angry with our brother without cause, then that's not pleasing to God. We can't pray at people. You ever known someone to pray at someone else? Maybe they're angry with them. Maybe they've got ill will in their heart, and 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 maybe those things are on their mind while they're praying, or maybe even talking about that person. Paul here is saying we can't do that. We've got to be a people that are at peace. Again, remember, if we expect God to to hear our prayers, it has got to come from a heart that is righteous, and righteousness is only imputed when we are doing the things that God says. So therefore. We can't have a heart full of anger and wrath and expect God to answer our prayers. So we understand that. Second of all, Paul says we can't pray if we are doubters. What is it James says? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives to all liberally. But he says, what do we got to do if we expect God to answer our prayers? We got to believe it, right? He says we can't be a doubter. He says if we're a double-minded man, we're, we're like a, you know, a ship that's tossed. You know, we're just kind of all over the place. He says we can't expect to receive anything from God if we are a person that, that is going to doubt whether or not God will answer our prayer. And as Christians, we struggle with that. And when I say we, I mean me sometimes. There's been a lot of times in my life that I have prayed for somebody to get well, all at the same time I'm thinking in my mind they don't have a chance. There's no way that they're going to get better. Maybe, maybe there's no way they're ever going to get out of the hospital, but yet at the same time, I am praying for that person to get well. You know what that prayer accomplished? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I have been with people before and visited, and I've told you guys this. We would go into a nursing home or a hospital, and we would visit somebody, we would pray with that person, and immediately upon leaving the room, we would have a conversation amongst each other. Don't think they're going to make it. Don't think, I mean, is that fair? I mean, do we do that? I'm throwing myself under the bus because that, that's kind of how we are. 
You know, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible tells us we're to come boldly before the throne of God. Is there anything too hard for God? But sometimes we act like it is, don't we? Am I saying that, that God will miraculously just heal people and you just pray and then immediately they're better? It doesn't work like that like it used to. Does God still have the ability to, to get people well again? Yeah. Man, I can remember I remember Brother Clarence. He had an event happen a, a year or two ago and, and we all prayed for him and it didn't seem like there was much hope, did it? He's over there preaching all the time now. God getting better? Oh, I believe without a shadow of a doubt. And he believes the exact same thing. He was going to retire from preaching. He said God was so good to him and got him better. He had more work to do. So he went back to work uh, preaching again. God answers prayers. And brethren, we can't be a people that doubts that. We can't doubt God's ability. Man, God has answered some prayers. We've got some people here this very day that just had some cancer surgeries and, and, and they're back and they're well and doing... I mean... God's on top of these things. And we need to realize that. Don't doubt it. Don't ever doubt God's ability. Now, God may say no. God's going to answer that prayer if we pray from a heart and we lift up those holy hands, if you will. We live a life for Him. His eyes are open and His ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. 1 Peter 3, verse 12. All right, shifting gears. We've only got 25 minutes. I'm going to try to do verse 9 and verse 10. He says, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. What I want to do is I want to break down what those words and phrases in the verses mean, and then I want to just apply it to our life for the rest of our class period. So let's deal with that. He says, in like manner. In like manner... We said last week in verse 8, he somewhat shifts gears. And primarily, starting in verse 8, he's talking about the public assemblies. So in verse 8, he's talking about when, when, when the church comes together, when people are in public, he says, I desire that the men do the leading in the prayer. And he's going to deal with the women's roles a little bit later. But verse 8, he's giving admonitions for the men. Verse 9, he begins to give admonitions for the women. Now, here's what I like. He just gave one verse for the men and five or six for you ladies. So you, I'll be in trouble. Um, but in all seriousness, that's what he's doing. He's giving admonitions for each group of people. And, and in like manner simply means, hey, I told you what the men, I want them to do when you come together. Starting in verse 9, here's what I expect from the ladies when you guys come together. So again, it's just admonitions for different groups. He says, he desires that the women adorn themselves. Now, when it comes to, to clothing and, and women, is it more important that the women dress better than maybe the men or more modestly? You see, women are going to say, no, that, that's not any more important. Which one of the sexes is far more visual people? Is anybody going to deny that it's the men that are far more visual? The women are, are more emotional if you're going to talk about any kind of stimulation, if you will, the men are far more visually stimulated, the women are far more emotional, emotionally stimulated. And, and we would all agree with that. And nobody can really deny that. So Paul is going to begin here to talk about things when it comes to our dress, the way that, that we present ourselves. And he's going to primarily deal 
with the ladies, and, and these things will also apply to the men, but he understands because God made us in specific ways uh, which sex these need to be directed toward, uh, toward more, uh, I guess, in, in a deeper manner. So he says, I desire that the women adorn themselves. That word adorn means to put in order, to arrange. He says, when you come together, now this is primary, and we're going to take this on into everyday life, but when you come together, he said, I expect the women to have put themselves in order or to arrange. Why? Well, because it's very important, because again, men are very visual people. He says, I want you ladies to present yourself in a way that your physical appearance is going to reflect your spiritual interior. Do we get that? Our physical appearance reflects what is on the inside of our heart. And if you really stop and think about it, you'll agree with that. And we're going to go to that a little bit more in a minute. He says, I want them to adorn themselves in modest apparel. Modest is a word very similar to the word adorn. It simply means to be well arranged, to be well arranged, to be orderly. And it's a word that's going to be between two extremes. Now, when it comes to modesty, you can go over the top, and he's about to deal with that, or you can go far too little, right? He says, I, I want you to be somewhere in the middle. I want you to be a modest person, to be well-arranged or be orderly. He says, I want them to, to wear modest apparel with propriety. Propriety is the word that means a respectful and reverent attitude toward another. Respectful and reverent attitude toward another. That's what the word simply means. Okay, so if he's talking to women and he says, I want you to dress in a way that is going to be respectful towards someone else. Who's he talking about? Who's the someone else? It would be men, right? So a, a lady can adorn herself in a way that is going to cause a man to stumble. Now, any of you men that say that's not the case, you're deceiving yourself. You're lying. Because us men, we are very visually stimulated people. And so when we see a beautiful woman, none of you are going to admit this, but you turn your head when you were younger anyways, right? And you don't do that anymore. You're married now, right? Nobody ever sees anything else. I get that. Uh, but the word means that you dress in a way that you respect other people. And you don't want to put any kind of stumbling block in their way. And he says to do this also with moderation. Moderation means an entire command of good judgment. A, excuse me, an entire command of passions and desires. It is a word that means you are showing good judgment. So when we, you ladies dress, and even us men too, we dress in a way that we respect other people and we want to never put a stumbling block in their way. We dress in a way that shows that we have control over our desires, our passions. We dress in a way to show that we are expressing good judgment. He goes on to say, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. So that means you ladies can't go shopping, you can't buy jewelry, none of those things. I wish. What he's saying is, don't be gaudy. We understand what the word gaudy means. Or, or, or extravagant. Do we... Sometimes see people that, that take things over the top. 
And, you know, could, could you go and buy a necklace, you know, that's worth a million dollars? You could wear it around your neck, and it's just huge, and you've got these rocks on your fingers that's just, you know, bigger than your fingers. You know what I'm saying. He says, don't go over the top. Don't dress to be seen. Remember, go back to the idea of being modest. Modest is in the middle. You're not wearing too little so that people are looking at you in a uh, lustful way, or you're not going over the top to wear something so everybody's going to talk about how fancy you look. How fancy you. What if on Wednesday night I come in with a tuxedo on? Be honest. Wouldn't I be doing the same thing that he's condemning here when he's talking about braided hair and gold and pearls and cotton? I mean, that would be the same. I would be trying to look over the top. I would be trying to be different and and to be seen from everybody else. And sometimes people like that. And he says, don't be like that. That that draws away from what is meant to be happening here. And he goes on to say, instead, wear things that are proper for women professing godliness with good works. Simply means you realize the inner beauty is far more important than the outer beauty. We try to teach our daughters that, don't we? It's what's on the inside that counts. And, and we really, we stress that as they're growing up. But do we truly believe that men and women alike uh, as we get older? What's God interested in? The inside or the outside? You remember when he sent uh, Samuel to anoint the, the king, the next king? What happened? Well, he first, he went to David's older brother. and What did he think immediately? He was looking on the outside, right? He thought, here's the guy, here's the guy. Never crossed his mind that God was looking for David. And I understand we're not talking about clothing here, but we're talking about how men see things. You know, his older brother looked like he's the man. and David didn't look like it. But you see, the Bible says God is looking at what's on the inside, not what, on, not what is on the outside. All right, so we've covered what the verses mean. So let's go into modesty. Let's go into modesty and let's talk about it in just everyday life. Let's make some practical applications. Let me ask you a question. Do, does clothing convey a message? If anybody disagrees with that, you're deceiving yourselves again. Does clothing convey a message? If you see someone, if you see a man, and he's walking down the road, and his pants are down about right here, you ever seen one of those? You don't have your underwear is hanging out, and you look like you need a belt, and you've lost it long ago. What kind of message does that convey? They're just kind of a, a punk, right? I mean, that's what we would say, you know. And, and he is getting what he was, was wanting in doing that, right? Clothing always conveys a message. Let's say you go to a job interview. You go to a job interview and, and, and you go and you sit down and with that person that you're really wanting that job. Are you going to choose carefully what you wear? Right, you are. If you want the job, that's right. You're not going to go in and you're not going to, you know, if you're wanting a job, uh, Ryan's wanting somebody to work at the bank over here. And you're going to go in and, and maybe they're just absolutely filthy and they stink and, and just they got, they're dressed horribly. You think he's going to hire a bank teller? No. And we get that. So clothing always conveys a message. John's not here today. I was going to pick on him. He's in court. And maybe he's in court and he's only got a few more days of this, but he can tell you from 26 years of it, if somebody comes before him and they are presenting themselves in a way that shows no respect, do you think he's going to give them maybe the respect 
that they, they really want, but they're not, they're not trying to convey that message to him. You see, he's going to look at that person and, and right or wrong, good or bad, we make uh, you know, assumptions of people based upon how they present themselves. And we can all choose of how to do that. If we go to a wedding or a funeral or just in everyday life in general, people, they, they form an opinion on us based upon how we look, on how we dress ourselves. And we all get that. We all understand that. But you know, when it comes to modesty, here's the problem. Here's the difficult thing about modesty. We've got, I don't know, 150 people in here this morning. Do you realize 150 people, everybody has a different opinion on what that should be? on exactly how all of that should play out. We have a different opinion on both ends of the spectrums. Oh, maybe going over the top. Well, some people may think, you know, over the top is, is different than other people think. But we don't really have a, I don't think we have nowhere near, I know we don't have nowhere near a big a problem as going over the top as we do of going too little. But when it comes to wearing too little, don't we all have different opinions? Don't we all have a different standard of, of where the skirt needs to be, where the shorts needs to be, where the top, how high or low that top needs to be? Don't we all have different standards? Yeah, we do. In our mind, and we form our own judgments. Now, here's the thing. We can go to extremes on those. Some people believe that if you're going to wear a dress, that dress better touch your ankles. Is anything wrong with wearing a dress that touches your ankles? No. But on the other end of that extreme, some, some women think that you wear a dress that, that barely covers the backside. Now, is that too far the other way in an extreme? Yeah. When it comes to the church, we've got extremes on people. I've heard, especially when I was younger, I don't hear it as much now, women cannot wear pants to church. You ever heard that one? That is just not right, and that's sinful. And, and all. You see, we've got these whole extremes of people and the things that they believe. And we've got to understand, it's okay for you to think that your dress needs to touch your ankle. It's okay for you to think that, that you can't wear pants to church if you're a lady. But it's not okay for you to bind that on everyone else. It's not okay. Each person has their own scruples that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 14. And maybe they... They hold on to those, and they want to live by those. Okay, that's fine. But you can't bind those other things on, on everybody else. But yet at the same time, you may say, well, it's my opinion that my dress can be however short I want it to be in my short. Well, you can take that too far the other way, and you can't think that God's going to be okay with that either. You see, we've got to understand, this whole thing comes to modesty. And modesty is, is different between two extremes. Look at it this way. I'm driving my car home. I'm driving my car home today. If I go too far to the left, what happens? Somebody help me out. I'm going down the road. If I go too far to the left, what happens? Oncoming car's coming, right? What if I go too far to the right? I'm in a ditch. Either way, I'm what? I'm in trouble. So I've got to stay somewhere in the middle of the road with all of this. I've got to be, I've got to be realistic. And don't think I'm going liberal in any shape, form, or fashion. I'm just saying we've got we've to try not to press extremes on people. Because when we press extremes, we, sometimes we turn people off. 
So we've got to figure out uh, what is in the middle. Let me ask you this. Does God really care what we wear? Some people say, no, God doesn't care. God's just simply looking at my heart. I don't buy that for a second. Because, again, we've already said and everybody agreed what you wear conveys a message. So does God care what you wear? Does God care what message you're portraying to the world? Last Sunday, we looked at Romans chapter 12 here. Verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So God says, don't conform to the world. Well, can I dress just like the world? Do Christians sometimes do that? Do our young people sometimes want to do that? Do our daughters a lot of times want to do that? And I'll be the first one to stand up here and tell you, I, I've got two daughters. One of them is married and gone, and the other one will be 18 next month. And, and I can tell you, that's hard. It is hard to raise a daughter in today's society and to keep that daughter modest. It is hard to go shopping for a daughter in today's society and find modest clothes. I can honestly tell you that is a difficult thing. And those of you that have daughters, you know that. It's difficult. But we've got to keep in the back of our mind, does God care what our young ladies look at? Does God care what you ladies look like? What you wear? Oh, absolutely He does. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things in the world. And He goes on to talk about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and all that. And all that's passing away. But He says, don't love the world. Sometimes does our clothing convey the message that we love the world? You better believe it does. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it may not even be something that, that would be too revealing. Sometimes our clothing simply just conveys a message. There's a lot of t-shirts and stuff that has messages on them, right? Does it matter what our t-shirt says? You better believe it does. Because here's what, again, we've already said, if you went into a job interview and you look this particular way, that person's going to base an assumption on you. If you are wearing a T-shirt or your child is wearing a T-shirt that's got a vulgar message on it, what is the message that people are thinking that he or she is conveying? It's not Christ-like, right? It's not at all. So you see, when it comes to this whole idea of modesty, it's a very difficult thing. What if, again, we, and we mentioned this a while ago, when we're thinking about what we're going to wear, and especially you ladies, you've got to come across in your mind, is there any way that what it is that I'm going to dress in, will it be a stumbling block for the men? Is what I'm going to wear to church, is it going, and I've heard this my whole life, if a lady, what she wears to church is going to be a distraction for maybe the men passing the communion, is that going to be a stumbling block? If a man is walking around this assembly and he's passing the communion, the man's looking down, right? What can the man see? It's a group of adults, right? What can the man see? Can that be a stumbling block? Should, should people consider that? Yeah. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13, the Bible says, uh, Paul here speaking, if eating meat, Causes somebody to stumble, what did he say you'll do about meat? I won't do it anymore. So you see, if ladies, the Bible's commanding you to dress uh, in propriety, it simply means with respect toward another. So that's exactly what we're dealing with here. 
You're dressing in a way that is not going to cause anyone else to lust. What did Jesus say about lust? If a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's done what? He's committed adultery with her already in his heart. And we've already said, and we're honest and open about it, God made us men in a way that we are very visual people. So you ladies have got to understand that. Sometimes ladies don't get the big deal. Because, well, be honest, y'all don't have a lot to look at, right? Well, then it comes to us men, and maybe you don't really get that. But in all seriousness, uh, on a man's viewpoint, it's far different. Far different. And we need to understand that. You know, in John chapter 21, verse 7, Jesus had already died. He, he rose from the grave. He's appeared to his, uh, uh, the people for several days here. And it says Peter was in a boat, and he was fishing. And he's with John. John chapter 21, verse 7. And he looks up, and he sees Jesus on the shore. And the Bible says... He put on his coat, and he went to see Jesus, and he did that, the Bible says, because he was naked. What it simply means is he had took off his outer garments. Maybe he was hot. Maybe I don't know what it was, but maybe he just had on his undergarments, and he was fishing. But when he saw Jesus, he immediately put on his outer garments. Why? Why would the Bible even tell that? You know, the Bible doesn't tell things by accident. Why would it tell that? Because it was showing his respect for Jesus. It was showing his respect. If I'm going to be in public with Jesus, I need to show some respect. He understood that his clothing conveyed a message. Was it okay as long as it was just him and John out there in the boat by themselves? I don't think John was going to lust after him. But once he saw Jesus, he realized, I'm going to be in the presence of the Messiah. I've got to show some respect. I've got to show some respect, and he understood that. Let me ask you something. When it comes to, to the dress and, and our daughters, and I'm not going to finish this, I'm sorry, but we'll do it next week. When it comes to our dress, how many of you that have daughters, how many of you want your daughters out alone after dark? How many of you want your daughter in Walmart parking lot at 9 o'clock? Somebody just be honest and tell me why. It's dangerous because of whom? Perverts, right? Men. It's dangerous because of perverts. Okay, so we don't want our daughters out because we know that people are looking at them. Well, let me ask you something. Should we be far more concerned with how our daughters look to these people? The Bible says, I can't remember, I wrote it down here. But the Bible says in Proverbs 7, verse 10, it talks about the attire of a harlot. The attire of a harlot. And what Solomon is saying here is you can tell, don't, don't misunderstand, that's not calling our daughters a harlot, but I'm saying you can tell someone that was practicing that type of lifestyle by the things that they wore. Let me ask you this. Sometimes does it look like people are advertising for business, if you will, by the things that they wear? If you don't believe that, uh, some of us went down to, to Nashville to a concert, and I can remember we walked around down there, and I remember thinking, man, how do these people let their daughters out of the house wearing this? It seems as if, I mean, you know what every one of those boys were thinking, and men, and everybody else. There's very, very little left to the imagination. And if we understand that, you know, we understand and we're afraid that there's going to be someone to grab our daughters because they like the way they look, let us help to cover some of that up so people aren't looking 
at them in such a way. Wouldn't you agree? I'm not trying to tell you how to raise your kid. I'm not trying to tell you exactly every you know, aspect of how long the garment should be. You've got to decide that, but you've got to realize. You've got to realize your clothing conveys a message. What message is it conveying? That's a fair point, I think. That's something that we've got to, to understand. You know, what if Jesus was there? We talked about John chapter 21, verse 7. What if, you know, the fire was, I've never been to the Cookville fire. I don't say that in any shame. I'm kind of proud of that. I don't really like going to the fire. But uh, my wife went and she said, it was amazing the things that you see. What if Jesus was walking around at the Cookville fire and he saw our young people there? Be fair. He might be embarrassed, yeah. Peter was embarrassed with what he had on when he saw Jesus, and that was man to a man. What if Jesus saw our daughters? What would he think? What if Jesus saw us? Us. I'm not just talking about our daughter. What if Jesus saw us? What kind of message would it convey? I'm out of time, but we'll pick that up next week. I appreciate your attention.